editor who made this joke in the video by putting the 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 Chad versus Virgin meme. Right. He put Aaron Yeager as the Virgin, mm-hmm. and then he just kind of like zoomed in on that and put it in a thumbnail. So I was like, oh my god. This is so perfect. This is gonna. <laughs> this is gonna do. The I, virgin I Aaron. Yeah. And so it's. I changed it to the Virgin Aaron, and it's like it immediately, immediately, uh, like if if I could explain how you know. Uh, I'm well. I don't know how how far you are into your analytics, but you can see how well a video, how many views a video does, like in a forty eight hour period. Right. And yeah. so and it went from getting like six, seven thousand views in a 48 hour period to getting 20,000 views in a 40 hour period in about a week and and stayed there for about two more weeks and and brought itself up to a respectable number mm-hmm. for for what I would have hoped for it uh almost like immediately after I changed it to that so yeah it's 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 debaucherous it's uh cynical um it is the death of art as uh <laughs> some would say but uh it got it got the art into the in more people's hands, you know. Do we want to talk about anime? I want to talk about anime. Oh my god, YouTube! Oh god, thirty about, minutes in, YouTubers <laughs> talking about YouTube and a podcast. I've never seen that done before. Well, I guess if we're gonna we're gonna transit hard transition, like we do an intro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to the Weeb Crew Podcast, your favorite anarcho syndicalist. <laughs> <podcast. laughs> I'm your host, Movie. <laughs> Uh, join with me as always. We have Sai. I am here too. And uh, yeah, if you didn't, you didn't catch on by now. We got uh, FD signifier in the chat with us. I don't know how I'm going to ruining edit this the show. Uh, <laughs> you you got to cut it. You got to cut it after the Attack on Titan stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's yeah, the, there we go. That's the that's the best bet is to make mm-hmm. that the transition point. But happy happy to be here. You'd be surprised how much we edit these in post. Oh yeah, like no, like no, I will literally like move so much shit around it's almost like a totally different conversation where it's like oh, i gotta God, listen yeah. back to it i'm like man this is almost like a whole new experience hey that means you that's that's a good effort you know that's more than what some people do like if it, if it yeah. makes the flow of things better and more concise and for your audience mm-hmm. you know they should appreciate that no we def i definitely like am very concerned like especially with podcasts because like we'll go and like look at small channels and like there are so many like smaller podcasts that just kind of like they press record on their webcam or something. And then like, that's it. Like, that's all the amount of work that they do. And it's like they keep in all like the awkward, just like dead pauses, like them fiddling with like their, you know, the, their tower or something to talk about how like their computers like on the fritz and stuff it's like, no, don't listen to that, dude. Like, I get it. Like, it's it's a normal thing, but it's like. I'm very overly concerned with like people getting like bored or like <laughs> turning off the video or the podcast or whatever, because it's like, it sounds like it's low effort or something. So yeah, that we definitely, you really don't want to talk about anime. Don't you? <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's okay. It's okay. All right. So uh, my favorite anime is Madoka Magica. We'll just start there. Yeah, oh, I did, we're already off. I did see on a podcast on a, here recently that you did say that, and I was like, "Damn, we gotta, we gotta have FD talk about Monica Magica." Given, yes, given my entire persona on Grata is just built around a Madoka. Magica oh, I just character. realized that. I just caught that. Yeah, I didn't even notice that's. Uh, yeah. Oh crap! What is her name? Uh, mommy. I don't the, mommy. Yeah. I don't watch. So I haven't watched it. So it's it's one of those things where it was so. 
I watched the, the, the first season and I was blown away. It's the only anime I forced my wife to watch. Um, <laughs> and, and she also did like it. My, my wife hates imagination. Um, so like, <laughs> like I can get her, we can watch like the most nerdy thing I can get her to watch is like a Marvel movie or Game of Thrones. But if it gets too sci-fi, fantasy, magic-y, it's just like something like it's something Doesn't disconnect. Evil. Yeah, it's not just yeah. a disconnect. There's a visceral anger towards it. It's really funny, <laughs> actually. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's really hilarious. But Monoka Magica, she watched it. So I watched it one more time with her. This has got to be like 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, when did it come out? Did it come out 2010? 2011, yeah. 2011-ish. Yeah. So yeah, it had to be like 2012 because we didn't have kids yet. Um, she might have been pregnant, in fact. Uh, and then... A little while later, I tried to watch the first movie and then like turned it off because although I was really excited at the cool fight scenes, nothing made fucking sense. And then I went online <laughs> and read everybody's like response. So everybody was like, just declare the movie's non-canon. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to watch them then. So <laughs> and, and so I haven't touched it, it since 2000, probably 13, because it I like the way it exists in my memory. I don't want to go back and look at it and like ruin the experience that I had mm. with it. Does that make sense? Sure. We talked about it here recently. We talked about the movie because I actually went and watched it in theaters when it came out. And like the third movie, the third movie. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which that's, uh, it's the sequel, sequel to the TV series. So then, I don't yeah. know if that was the one you watched or if it was. No, the so I watched movie. the first movie, I think. So there was a, uh, which one had the fight between mommy and uh, what was the time stopper girl? Homura. That Humura. was that was the third movie. Um, okay, but it was like that's it's kind of weird because the first two movies were just recaps. So yeah, I thought was, there were like three more. I thought there were three movies that were sequels to the show. No, so the two first two movies are just recaps of the show. They edited some stuff here and there, like different visuals or whatever, upgrading like backgrounds or what. It's you know typical kind of like recap shit. And right, then the right. third movie. It was they were leading up to the third movie, uh, which was the sequel to the show. And they are currently I guess they're currently making another movie, which is the sequel to that movie, which has taken 10 years to get out the door. Ten goddamn it's years. 10 years so. to make. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we when I watched that movie in theaters, like there was just this palpable like <laughs> the air just being sucked out of the room mm. in that movie because like. Like the first part is just kind of like normal stuff, and then like there's this weird twist that happens that no, like a lot of people weren't expecting. I kind of expected it just because of the nature of the show, but I guess like a lot of people had a different reading of like certain characters. I won't spoil it since you haven't seen it, but I guess they had different readings of the characters. So like when it happened, everyone's like, "Oh, <laughs> just like yeah. I started getting excited. I'm like, damn, <laughs> this is getting good." <laughs> Yeah, I feel um, like so. Uh, I, it's it's great. I don't. Re- I know that that happened, but I don't remember any details. That's how good I've been <laughs> at like just holding this piece of media in a special place in my head and not tarnishing it. So, only thing I remember mm-hmm. is the fight scene and how awesome the fight scene was. But I remember also being pissed. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Yeah, Which, yeah. It, um, I I I, don't, I definitely get where you're coming from though, because like especially since it took 10 years to make a follow-up to the movie. Right. <laughs> like the TV series definitely had like, it, it's, it's like my second favorite anime. 
um, where it's like it's almost like a perfect package in itself. It didn't it is, really need which is anything. So freaking rare in anime. Yeah. If, if, if there's one reason why I don't consume more anime is because I can't trust them to tell stories. A lot of right. them just don't end. Yeah, yeah. They just don't end. Um, so I always like wait till I know something is done and then maybe find a, you know, find first off, what is done in anime? I, I read more manga now because mangas tend to end, but the animes, if they get a, you know, I think I was burned by Spice and Wolf, which I mentioned in the video. Um, right. You know, there's so many things I can think of. Although Spice and Wolf was coming back now. Yeah, which, so. is, which is wild. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. It's being rebooted mm-hmm. though, right? Yeah. yeah, so I think they're just starting from the beginning now. So I don't know if there's I, I don't know if the original anime has any like differences from like the source material and if they're not going to do those in the new one or what's going on with that. But it is coming back and hopefully because the Spice and Wolf uh, light novels have been done for uh, years. Yeah, I think there's like a um like a sequel series now where it follows like Lawrence and Holo's daughter, but. You could do a full adaptation of the uh, full series now, which would be, it would be nice to see. Yeah. So I think the last thing I, so I think, I don't know, I, I watch a lot of trash um, <laughs> or I used to, I should say. And so there was a, a harem anime that was, I thought, doing like a cute twist on the, the concept um, that was really popular some years back where the world ended if he didn't. Kiss, get the girls to fall in love with him, but he didn't. Oh, data lie. Is it is it data data lie? I think no, no. I no. think you're, I think you're talking. Is it not data lie? No, I'm pretty sure it's not data lie. It's okay. I guess there are other things with the with a very similar premise. Uh, um, this one, it, it was kind of no. This one had a, it was it was not like it felt pretty new. It felt like okay, this is a cool twist. Um, oh shit, what was it? The world ends with you. Was that it? World ends with you is a a video game. God damn it! No, that's the yeah, fucking shit. Uh, I'm gonna I'm the, gonna be completely annoyed girl. by this now. <laughs> I am going to. You can't think of like um, that show or something like yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the running gags for the guy was the girls would come bother him. He he he. So the 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 this conceit was he played dating sims. Oh. All the time. Is it the world God only knows? The world God only knows. Yes. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You said dating sims. It'd be uh, like, oh, okay, that one. <laughs> oh, that one. I know exactly what's being referred to now. Yeah. That's. Yeah. 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 Oh God. When, I feel old now. When did this come out? That would have been 2011. Has it been that long? 2010. 2010. Yep. I'm looking at it. So there was like that. 2013 was 10 years ago. Yeah. There was oh, that. God. That was like a. And I think that was like one of the first time, the last times I was like, okay, I'm so tired of these things not ending. But then thankfully mm-hmm. the manga did have an ending. So I felt, you know, satisfied with that. And it yeah. was actually a relatively decent ending, I thought. Um, and then you have things mm-hmm. like, uh, who who made uh, Shani Buyo? Shunibyo? Yeah, but it wasn't uh, that. It was, a, it was a different one. It, it was made by the same people. Kyoto, Kyoto uh, Animation? Uh, yeah. Kyoani? Yeah. Um, it was uh, would it be like Kyoko no Kanata? Is that the one, the girl with the glasses? Also, like yeah. Some, yeah, yeah, Kyoko no Kanata. Yeah, yeah. like Bill I have Boundary. no idea yeah. what they did with that uh, after the anime ended, but the anime ended. The anime was really good and like beautiful. What is it called, Sakuga? For like half yeah. the damn yeah. show. Um, I don't remember anything about the story. I just remember blood and cool action scenes. Uh, 
and like then it was nothing you know like yeah. it just you just you have to be okay with never seeing a story in and for me like that's no, I hate that so much. <laughs> even if it's not an adaptation, even if it's not an adaptation that can happen, like with panning and stocking, very infamously. Although panning and stocking's coming back now, so after ten I wonder years, what ago. that is. Is that so? There's you know the millennials are we're now old enough to have nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. And so like mm-hmm. there's I, I watch uh, Red Letter Media. I don't know if you guys watch them. Oh, we're we very intimately. In, so our whole channel is basically just a ripoff of like Red Letter Media stuff. Oh, awesome. That was kind of the original. Oh, shit. Case. As I'm looking at your, I go back to your thumbnail, I see it. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. The, the Weeb Crew is a reference to like their little skit with the nerd crew or whatever. Got you. Or it was like a parody yeah. of like pop culture podcast. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, oh, man. We, we're Kendrick Spears to an extent. Um, so they did something about like how everybody's making documentaries or like uh, mockumentary movies about, you know, the making of hot Cheetos and freaking oh, yeah. Rubik's Cubes and stuff like Rubik's that. Rubik's Cube, I think a Tetris, I think is the most recent one. Right, Tetris. And so like, yeah. like that's a thing that's happening to millennials. So it makes some sense, especially I don't know what the state of the anime like industry economically is. Um, but I would imagine you want to target the audience that is, you know, is going to come back for more. So, mm-hmm. you know, when people say, yeah, there's a there's a Spice and Wolf remake on the way. Like, yeah, I'm going to check for that, you know, and now I have money yeah. to pay for it. The anime industry is kind of unique in a way where people like I know in the West, people don't generally look at like entertainment and media the way that the anime industry is kind of built it's basically kind of built as like this giant kind of like advertising machine for like the source materials like manga light novels stuff like that so what happens is a publishing publishing company usually for like a light novel or manga yeah um yeah they will get studios to kind of bid on doing um an adaptation of their material so like a spice and wolf is adapted by brains base they would uh, are basically they're just advertising for the Spice Wolf light novels. So right. you get that a lot where like they get one season and that's it because either like the anime just didn't do super well. Cause like what, what they determine is like the anime doing well for the studio where they would go and do more content for like attack on Titan or something like that. Right. They are looking at like, Manga, or not manga, uh, Blu-ray sales, uh, merchandise sales, because they get a cut of the merchandise sales after the anime for a certain amount of time. I don't know how the logistics of the, all the contract stuff work. So they're they're looking at stuff like that. So like something like a Kyokai no Kanada, the Kyoani one, um, they're a bit of a different situation because they usually publish. They're they're adapting their own stuff now. Uh, so yeah, a lot of their stuff that, I feel like, like that was an anime original, wasn't it? Um, it's 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 based on a light novel, but it's based on something. Um, they had like a contest uh, for like light novel authors, and yeah, Kyoto oh, wow. Animation is like like a rare exception in the industry where they uh, I, th- I believe just own like uh, or have much more control over the IP rights of the anime they produce than most other studios do. Well, they yeah. they outright I think they were part of the publishing of that that light novel for that material. Okay. Um, yeah, that would make sense. But just in a general sense, it's not uncommon for there to be like one season because. It didn't really like do well as an anime, but it might have done well as 
you know, advertising. So it might get a second season because they just want more exposure out there. So um, I can't think of one offhand, but like, there, you know, there are um, there are anime that didn't necessarily sell super well, but they end up getting like a second or third season. Um, second or third. There, there are many seasons of Kingdom. I guess Hataraku Malsama, I guess, would count. Like, it didn't necessarily um, do super well, but it, it ended up getting more seasons because they wanted to, like, I guess, advertise like the end of the manga, uh, the light novels or something. Oh, yeah, that's another one. I forgot about this one. Devil's a Part-Timer? Yeah, yeah. This was, so this was like a great anime that I don't even... So this is only a night light novel. Did this ever become a manga? It might, I think it does oh, have a light, uh, manga adaptation. It but, may have... Um, a lot of the, a lot of them tend to if they get an, if they get an anime adaptation they usually tend to also have a manga adaptation at some point. Yeah, it does yeah, have a manga adaptation. But the manga is probably like unfinished though. Yeah, it's still publishing. It says. Is it? Oh, yeah. Right. Like um, I remember, uh, so I was a, I was a big Golden Time fan because you know who, who who said they who said there's a thing about loving trash women. I've been thinking about that. That's been living rent free in my head. <laughs> was that was that something I got from you all? Or did I get that from a comment? I don't. I don't think that was us. But that was there, there, somebody commented. It's like, like somebody commented because I don't know. Did I make a joke about Sundares? I don't know where. I don't know how this person gleaned this from. It may have been actually in the comments of one of of, of the video from you guys. I did uh, while well, uh, jumped in with you guys, but he basically Maybe. made a point about like real men love awful women. It's like something about the comment. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been living rent free in my head. I'm literally gonna make a video about that, um, or that alludes <laughs> to that in the next couple of weeks. Um, because like uh, the freaking I don't remember her name in in the show. Uh, Kyoko, Kyoko, Coco, Coco, Coco was, was this awful, awful girlfriend. But like, there's there's just something that I, I, I just talked about how my wife hates like fantasy. And it's kind of like the what is it thing on TikTok? The black cat girlfriend and the golden retriever boyfriend. Oh, you're talking about TikTok. I'm, I'm, you're, I, you are talking <laughs> to the wrong <laughs> people when it comes to TikTok. <laughs> There's it's a it's a trope that I'm like, oh shit, I'm I'm not nearly as original as I think I am. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I have no idea where I was going with that shit. Oh, they didn't have they had like a manga adaptation. I was like, oh, I should check out the manga adaptation, and it like got to like maybe twenty five percent into the story. And so, like that, it was just so frustrating. It's just so frustrating for me. And one of the reasons why, like, it was easy for me to to leave the medium, like the entirety of the medium alone, is sure. just that constant blue balls of getting getting into a story, having it, you know, have all this potential, and having it never get finished translating, you know, never, um, never, literally just never ending. Uh, yeah. or getting canceled. Um, and that's manga and anime, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's and that's one of the reasons why I hold, like, as much as I love Madoka Magic in my head, I also know one of the biggest things it did was wrap up in 13 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, although, you know, and when it comes to anime like that, though, you can have anime with very definitive endings, like uh, even anime was like, oh, every character dies at the end. And then, you know, you type in the ending, like type in like the show and you'll still get articles being like, is there a season two confirmed <laughs> yet? And it's like, did you fucking watch the show? Yeah, like a uh, Bacano. Yeah. I didn't really I didn't. I recently found out Bacano has like that was like the, the anime was an adaptation of like 
random parts of the of the of a very long light novel it's, it's oh yeah like three different volumes that came out you know consecutively adapted concurrently which is why it jumps around between timelines so much yeah that's wild Ibakuto yeah. goes on for a long ass time <laughs> after yeah. the anime yeah. um, so is it, but is it a manga or is it a light novel it's a light novel it's a light novel, it's a light novel yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, I think in the west we don't necessarily view media in a way that like is conducive to understanding like how the anime industry works because yeah. like some people are like why isn't this good show getting a second season or it's like well it's just because it was an advertisement for right. the source material. They just want you to go read the manga. And it's just... I was watching... Um, we, like, we just don't uh, like function that way because like, you know, Lord of the Rings is an adaptation of a book, but it's not expected you go buy the book. Like, right. it's just... It's right. its own yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a it's, new yeah, product the next for movie is not contingent on books. Yeah. 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 It is interesting. I, I, I don't... And you guys really open my eyes to like uh, kind of how shallow shallowly J- japan is understood like around anime and like the industry and the mm-hmm. culture like because you know no shade to you know our patch wolf and, and um jeffrey they're they're really big anime creators but like i've never seen them go too too in depth on the social cultural elements of how that art is produced right yeah and so to kind of like hear from you guys you know, that that really awesome tidbit about like isekais being uh, actually consumed more by, you know, uh, adult, you know, middle adult men was was kind mm-hmm. of like made me rethink of the whole context of like what that genre, what people are getting yeah. out of it. Yeah, we're actually working on a video right now where we're talking about uh, uh, zombie media uh, compared to like isekai because like. Mm. It's zombie media is almost like the Western equivalent of like isekai yeah, when you kind of think is. about it. Yeah. Like they both kind of stem from like this like late stage capitalist kind of like critique of like consumerism, stuff like that. They're both like escapist fantasy. Yeah. They, they're kind of oversaturated in a way. Like people complain about it, you know, being overly fucking walking dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of like, the the premise of the video is we're talking about there's a new anime that's out that's a zombie anime and the premise is us like saying it's basically it's like an isekai um, because it, it's I was also joking that it is because the idea is like the zombie apocalypse happens and the main character is like cool I don't need to go to work tomorrow <laughs> like it's 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 very like I don't want to say like shallow but it's a very like surface level like um, like it, it's very much like in your face with this like critique of like you know, it's not subtle, right? Yeah. Yes, not subtle. Let's I should have said where it's like critiquing like the black companies in Japan, um, how they're basically like turning their workers into zombies in a way, and then like the zombie apocalypse happens, and this this you know this worker who was essentially a walking zombie in modern Japan is now like living his full his best life because he's not working for this black company anymore. He's no yeah he's no longer like uh, like working. Uh, he's no longer living in his office, basically, after doing like 24 hour work days, yeah, essentially. That's so wild. Mm-hmm. That's, that it, it really is. It really does yeah. show you kind of like how culture influences art, because like so much yeah, of yeah. that is, you know, we complain about our work culture in America. And I, I made that comment in a video like uh, Japanese air quotes does capitalism well. Um, 
But yeah. then you you, you yeah. recognize that that also what that really means is, you know, and so like that goes into their art. Um, but it, it's lost in translation. Well, I'm not even lost in translation. It's lost in inception, you know, mm. like mm-hmm. it, because of these cultural like everybody can get Shonen Boy wins against the odds, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. You know that that's pretty universal, but um, apocalypse happened and man is relieved because he doesn't have to go to work. Is you, you can get it. I can see how I can see that working in the West. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I imagine that it, it's a much more salient uh, thing in a place like Japan, where the work culture, where there's literal like they have a term for what did you call it when you die mm-hmm. at work? Uh, dying of overwork. Yes. Like there's a term for that. And that is like yeah. mind blowing to me. And also in a, a, in a, I guess a gross cynical way, extremely intriguing. And I would love to read media that comes out of that experience, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, I think an interesting example of this uh, kind of going back a little bit is uh, even like death note, I think has this to an extent where uh, like death note is coming out of like the mid 2000s of Japan where you have these um, uh, like a lot of these like neoliberal economic reforms that are essentially, you know, more or less pitting kids against each other as soon as they gr- graduate high school mm. uh, in terms of getting jobs in the workforce and how that's kind of reflected in a series like Death Note where you have these like, you know, young adults competing against one another and basically trying to use the rules of the system in order to get an advantage over everyone else. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the they kind of led to like the rise in um they call them like death game stuff. Like I don't know if you know or familiar yeah. with like uh, yeah. Future Diary. Yeah. Um, oh god, Future Diary. <laughs> stuff like sort of <laughs> online. Like all of that is kind of from the place of like that ethos of like these millennials who are like yeah, the the older millennials, I guess. I'm trying to think of like timeline wise where it kind of fits. Um, who kind yeah, of future, Di- future Diary would have been? I'd have probably been in my early, th- late twenties. Oh, I mean, like future the creators. Um, oh, like these, got you. these later, like right. uh, older millennials who are kind of coming out of um, the quote unquote like lost the generation, like, the economic the yeah, lost, lost decade, yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of finding their voice in creative media or whatever, how they had to like compete with each other and stuff like that. Like that's very much from that ethos of like feeling as if you have to compete with like other people who don't understand the system who are just kind of thrown into the system. That's very much do or die. And it can feel like, you know, for them, it can feel like if you don't get into the best college or the best high school, like your entire life is over because you already are starting at a position that's far much further behind than everyone else. Um, it's it's interesting because it's like a lot of like anime stems from like a place which I'm not I'm not gonna ever I would never claim right that I'm the best at like being able to separate you know it is a piece of media like my entertainment my enjoyment of it and then it is like almost like this um, meta aspect of like examining it from like a cultural lens I'm not the greatest at that in the moment like there are so many shows I've watched that I'm like, man, this fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> but like, there's <laughs> somebody things- comes back and explains something incredibly profound about it. 
Yeah, actually, it's like, oh, that's that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like something could be interesting in regards to this, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have like any obligation to like yeah, it. Yeah, like, like uh, the the guy that we actually had on with us uh, during the stream, Joe, uh, pause and select. He was very inspirational, at least to like me, and I think a lot of other people kind of in the space for kind of l- helping people kind of open their eyes to looking at stuff like that. Um, his content is very much based around like a cultural lens. He talks with a lot of these authors of like uh, otaku kind of studies and stuff like that, like Patrick Gilbraith or whatever. He talks to them, did interviews with them. He made content around like their kind of stuff. I, it was very, um, I guess, like impactful for me where he, you know, he would talk about something like uh, police twin, only guy twins. Or like uh, twins, Dagashikashi, Dagashikashi, or like a, a mama no to whatever that fucking show with the girl and her uh, single dad or whatever. Um, a lot of those shows I watched and I didn't really like them. So like since I didn't like I didn't like them on the surface level, I didn't really get engaged with them on that kind of like deeper level. But he kind of like really delved into like these elements that I didn't like. Obviously, since I wasn't engaging with on that level. Um, didn't ever think about while I was watching it and I, I really like admire that about like his content of like I, he enjoys like owning guy twins and stuff like that so he's engaging it with it on a different obviously on a different level than I am but like just the fact that he's able to talk about these shows that I was ready to kind of like write off and mm. present like this like different angle and like this greater appreciation because like that's that's kind of what I look for in like content right is getting a different perspective of you know something that I watched or consumed or read or whatever, and being able to pull like a, a greater appreciation of that thing, uh, whether it is positive or negative, right? So he was able to like do that in a way that not really many people on in this on YouTube are able to do. And so he was very like influential for me as like as far as like how I consume and like enjoy media and content creation stuff like that so, so i want to I, I had to look up on the guy twins i recognize that name so i'm going to completely derail mm-hmm. that was a uh like i just want to say <laughs> that was <laughs> that was really great now i'm going to say something completely off topic. <laughs> 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 no, derail that that depthful um uh discourse you just presented us with presented us with and see if you guys can help me make sense of incest in anime. Because <laughs> okay. the first thing, because I, I looked right. at Onigai Twins, and I'm like, oh, I remember this. I'm like, oh, now I remember this. This is like one of those early um, <clears throat> faux incest shows. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's, obviously, according to the guy, it has a lot more to it, which I could imagine. I never gave it a chance. But that, yeah. that sent me on a, um, that sent me on like a tailspin. And so I remember... <laughs> Uh, what is it? Oriemo, I think was the first. Oriemo, Oriemo yeah. was the first like really big one, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it was always there and it just became more visible, or if Oriemo's success created so many copycats. Um, but like there, there's you know a huge, but th- but then that's also bled into like American pornography. Right, so it's clearly yeah, it not like just Japan. Siblings. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, I don't. So it's probably not coming from the same talk about place. This, uh, we have an episode that will probably come out before this, where we were actually talking with our friend Richard about 
uh, all all about hentai, and we actually come come to this topic at a certain point. And um, okay, well, you can keep it brief. I will, at, I will listen to that. But I was like, while I have two smart yeah. people in anime who have like actual critical lenses, I, I wanted it, to get this take. And it's it's like, I mean, we can we can kind of like generalize at the at the risk of like sounding like or like having some kind of orientalist bent, right, or something. Mm. Um, obviously, like you know, because I pointed out, like it's not necessarily like a Japanese exclusive thing. Yeah, uh, I yeah. mean, like you know, here we have like step bro, like I, I'm stuck, step bro. I'm st- like, <laughs> tell me, I'm stuck in the washing <laughs> machine. Yes. If I if I'm overgeneralizing, I think it kind of is systematic of like because obviously they have a um, you know their population's kind of declining because people are working a lot they don't necessarily get to socialize in a kind of like dating sense a lot of the time um so a lot i think a lot of uh people who are consuming pornography or like etchy material or erotic material in japan i think it's it's it almost stems that's it, it's almost like a psychological question more so than like an anime question i think it kind of stems mm. from the ease of access in a way um, cause I've done like some light re- reading on this. Cause I've had that same question. Where I'm like, what, where does like incestuous kind of like fetishes even come from? And this is before like even looking at it from like an anime lens. Cause like you would see like, you know, mother, son incest or like brothers, uh, sister incest and like pornography. It tends to like, be mother, fuck? son, brother, sister. Yeah. It's it, like, where it, it's, the fuck it's, does it's that really, come from? Yeah. It's, like, it's really, I feel like it's really ever father, daughter, even in like, it's probably that in American porn, which is a different set of concerns. But I feel like I haven't seen that in anime. It's been boy centered. From from what my light like light reading, I should emphasize light, right? right. <laughs> I haven't like done a Go PhD on. thesis of it, but um, it uh, it kind of almost stems from like a psychological need of like filling a deficit in their lives mm-hmm. in a way, like um. From what I read of like mother son incest, like a lot of that kind of stems from it can stem from like a lack of like a f- strong maternal figure in their life um, where it's like they as like grown men, they know how to engage with women in like a sexual sense, but not necessarily they don't really have that bond of like intimacy. Right. Like it's not necessarily that their mother was absent, but she might have been, you know, quote unquote absent as far as like presence in their life like at the time like you know maybe she was uh, you know drug addiction or something whatever whatever the case may be um they or it might really... it might also come back like it's uh, what you all are making me realize is how you know not to get not to derail too much further into leftist uh gobbledygook but <laughs> how deeply capitalism serves as a as a as a catalyst for the way their art what their art has to say Mm-hmm. You know, like because you're because t- what what mm-hmm. I'm hearing, you know, I'm, I would imagine, especially in Japan, is less likely to be like drug addiction and more likely to be overwork, you know, right. or the the nature mm-hmm. of having to work all the time. Unlike in the state, the West, for the most part, that being something you don't buck, you know, yeah. uh, and, and then you and you can't complain about it, both as the mother and the child. Right. Right. You know, I can have a 
a knockdown drag out. My kids can call me out. Dad, you've been in the computer too long. Stop making video. Come play Minecraft. You know, whatever. Like that can happen. It yeah. has happened in my mm-hmm. house. I don't I imagine, you know, again, very much speaking from a place of ignorance, that that's probably a little less likely to happen in Japan. As generally speaking, they tend to culturally go with the flow more until mm-hmm. like there's like a breaking point. Maybe that breaking point is fucking incest for um, <laughs> so I actually I pulled it up because there uh, there's an interesting I think we brought this book up during the stream there's an interesting uh, excerpt from the Moe Manifesto where uh, Patrick Galbraith is talking with um, are, are you familiar at all with the concept of uh, hikikomori like yes. uh, shut-ins yeah so uh, Tamaki Saito is this uh, is basically the guy who invented the term he is uh, like a practicing uh, he's like a psychoanalyst in Japan, uh, like academic. Mm. And uh, he also has this book called uh, Beautiful Fighting Girl, which is sort of about uh, otaku sexu- uh, sexuality. And what he's talking about here in the Moe Manifesto is this idea of asymmetrical desire. So what he brings up is that, uh, I'll, I'll just read the goddamn excerpt. Uh, there is a truism in otaku culture that those who feel moi, and moi in this context is just like an affection for fictional characters. No. Mm-hmm. Those who feel moi for little sister characters in manga and anime don't have little sisters. If these men actually had little sisters, then the reality of that would ruin the fantasy. If the object exists in reality, then it is not moi. So you can feel moi for made characters in manga and anime, but that has nothing to do with the actual women who are paid to work as housekeepers. Uh, these men don't have maids, and if they did, the fantasy would be ruined. You see, the maid characters in manga and anime are nothing uh, at all like a real maid, so therefore, a desire for a maid character is asymmetrical. So I think it's, it's one of those things where, and this gets just, I, uh, it's really hard to answer like a question like this without really getting into the weeds, because yeah. um, there's also like elements where it's like... Um, a database consumption as well where it sort of like becomes because like incest is such a trope it's not really consumed as incest but rather is consumed as a trope mm. uh, almost like a sort of like um like a Baudrillard simulacra kind of thing where it's done so many times that it no longer really reflects reality in a clear yeah. way yeah no that makes because you know you watch enough anime you read enough manga you you see enough uh accidental panty shots or whatever you you stop thinking about the explicit stop, ages yeah. of the characters um, yeah you, the, you the kind level of level yeah. of consent it becomes like just a ingrained passive trope mm-hmm. um yeah. you know so that that makes that makes a lot of sense that's a really i may have to how long is that is that that's that's is that a whole book or is that so, just an essay the moy manifesto uh the moy manifesto is uh it's a full book it's about 200 some pages but uh, it's structured. The way it's structured is that every chapter is a interview with a different creator or different academic, mm-hmm. uh, in Japan who ha- and their perspectives on, uh, anime and manga and ultimately like what moe is and the kind of conclusion of the book is moe is like we think of moe as like cutesy anime girls, but the idea for the book is that it's really more so a an attraction to fictional characters. Right. So. Which is which yeah. is so much more profound if you like give it if you give it the opportunity to to hold that space. There's a right. 
I think a reflexive desire, even by people who enjoy anime and give anime and anime fans a lot of grace for the things that are transgressive within it. There's still a, like a reflex to just say it's just silly, weird Japanese cartoons. Mm-hmm. And so um, like to hear that is like, no, that's actually a really profound theory to to put forward. So I'll put that, I mean, I have like I'm literally yeah. sitting at my desk and I've got. $40 million slaves and the wretched of the earth and the medicalization of America. So we'll put that on there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> just have, just we'll have this cutesy somewhere. anime book. Here. But yeah, the book itself is pretty easy to read because you can just pick up any chapter basically right, um, right. And, and go with that. One I think you would probably be interested in is um, uh, one with a social theorist, uh, uh, Toto Honda, who basically talks about well, why are so many people be, like now attracted to fictional characters? And he talks about it from this perspective of love capitalism, essentially, where in a very you know uh, late capitalist uh, country like Japan, your appeal as a partner is contingent on your economic stability as well. So what fictional characters present is, you know, you don't need to necessarily spend money to go out on dates or anything like that. You can just have this desire. You can just have this relationship with a fictional character uh, just completely in your head. So his perspective on the matter is essentially it is a result of just uh, the increasingly desperate economic conditions of the working class in Japan. No, that makes so much like as we're having this conversation, that is what is like. So my next anime video will be the hardcore leftist video is what I'm realizing. When I return to the topic, it will be with the hammer and sickle. Well, what's, what's funny about that because is like, so you, I mean, you obviously you get people who are like, don't politicize anime and stuff like that. What you can use as your shield for that, right, is how many creators in the anime space are part of the Japanese Communist Party. Are, are part of the right. Japanese Communist Party, or at least were part of the Japanese Communist Party at, at, at some time. Like you, I think you bring up um, Tezuka in, in yeah. your video, yeah. um, but it's, it extends well beyond him. Like every, you know, uh, Hayao Miyazaki, uh, Yoshiki Tomino, Takahara, wow. Takahara uh, well, Mamoru Oshii, they were all, they're all for, like, you know, in like their 80s, and they were all active in the new left protests of the 1960s. Um, yeah, that's and wild. of course, like active, like I think, uh, I think uh, Steve, um, our friend Steve, uh, brings us up in one of his videos that Miyazaki even did like a, um, like a pamphlet or like a like a short manga or something for the Japanese Communist Party at the time. So, yeah, I mean, people who say anime just isn't political have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like flat out. Yeah, and anime know. attracts. I made the comment that anime uh, attracts the socially marginalized Mm -hmm. and you know that that can mean a lot of different things. That can that can manifest in a lot of different ways. Right. It manifests in a lot of different ways. I think one way it does is people who you know anime provides the most robust fantasy space I think for those for for people Mm. because I'm also so you know I was also socially marginalized at different times in my life which Mm -hmm. is probably what like primed me to appreciate anime um, at different times in my life. Sure. Uh, the, the, the most anime consuming time in my life was while my wife is pregnant with my first child. And instinctually, I think I just refused to leave her side, <laughs> you know? And so like, I literally would just sit in the house and watch anime 
um, while she, you know, laid in bed or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I probably consume more anime in that nine month period than any point in my life. Right. And so I, I lacked a social outlet to do anything else. And anime provided this world of fantasy for that. But I was also at, by that point in a healthy relationship with a relatively decent, you know, career with career trajectory, yada, yada, yada. But if I were a, you know, a teenager who couldn't imagine that that type of reality to be possible for myself or a young adult or adult who has it has had opportunities to have it be proven to them that those realities are not possible. I may respond host- host- hostily. I may respond with hostility mm-hmm. to the politicization of anime. Um, see, now I'm starting to get sleepy because I don't know if any of these words <laughs> are being pronounced correctly. <laughs> um, I may respond with hostility to the politicization of anime yeah. because that makes it less of my fantasy space and right. brings it back to all the things that that you're you trying know. to escape from through media. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, if we, I mean, if you give the if you if you give the other side, like the the people who are, you know, very much in the sense space of like, oh, this is a tourist coming in, like trying to infringe on my escapism or whatever. If you want to give Saying them, that there are trans characters in anime. <laughs> if you right. want to give them that grace, right? Like of like, you know, yeah, this is very much an escape for them. Like, because it is it is hard to like deny that the the flavor i guess of animation in the west, uh, japan is very different from how the media you're going to kind of consume in the west in a general sense um i mean that's obviously what drew, drew me to it is like it was a very different perspective than the one i kind of had you know watching uh whatever in the 90s or 2000s whatever <laughs> the grinch stole christmas whatever fuck the, Gr- <laughs> the, Grinch, the one starring jet lee yeah. um, oh lord but it's it's very much a different perspective and so like if you are disconnected from that reality of like where it's kind of coming from from them as cre- in a creative way it's very easy for you to just take that and put it in its own like vacuum and just think it's like apolitical it's just this you know, uh, canvas of like escapism for you, but no, it is, it is very much just like every other creative medium everywhere else in the world. It's very much inspired by it's that is ultimately a reflection of the time and place that it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a wow. So which brings me back to why the fuck aren't we getting completed stories? (laughs) (laughs) Like when am I going to get a second season of Batum? You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> every. Mm-hmm. When are we? When are we gonna get more Black right, Lagoon like, or something it's, like it's, that? Because like Batum, I don't remember it well. I remember it being, you know, uh, uh, that was during the Death Game um, boom, I guess. Yeah. Except one island. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember liking it a lot from like a, a puerile standpoint. Um, and it probably, if I went back and and read it and or watched it with a critical eye. I would probably catch some, you know, I remember that being subtly anti-capitalist in its overall messaging, like most death game, you know, stories tend to be even in the West. But did it ever fit? Like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is what happens to the creator in this? Or is that just the churn of Mm -hmm. capitalism? Because I couldn't imagine being in a situation where I have this idea 
I, I have this thing in my heart that I can't complete. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's just, or, or if I finish mm-hmm. the thing in my heart, I'm told I have to make more. Like, uh, you know, Toriyama, yeah. is it Toriyama who made Dragon Ball? Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like. <sighs> yeah. What, what does Oda do after One Piece? You know, after that's over. It's like, where well, do you I mean, go we from there? We see that director or... with Kishimoto, right? The guy who uh, created Naruto. Like, when he finished, oh, yeah, yeah. what did he you do? Just... Like, he had, they wanted to make, make more, more Naruto, Naruto kind of stuff. And he, he kind of pushed that on to his assistant. I think, what, what is his project? He's got like a. A different project coming up here soon, doesn't he? And he's he's done he's done some stuff out uh, aside from Naruto, but none of obviously none of them hit the level of success Naruto did. Like you don't hear about it really. Yeah, that's that's inter- that's an interesting question. Right. So another like, so do you guys just have to just suffer me as a as a wet behind the ears uh, new n- noob otaku? How often do these big these creators who make these legendary um things how often do they have second uh seasons and that's like a seasons like second hits you in know? the manga space it's definitely rare yeah um typically it's, there's like i think of like a, a nisekoi for example like the creator of that had a manga before that that was much different from nisekoi it's it wasn't a harem anime it was it was like a almost like a battle shown in a, a way kind of like very had a creative setup and everything and it did not do well at all. And so they got canned and then he created Nisekoi like, and then that ended up being a hit. Um, I don't think he's, I, I haven't heard anything he's done after Nisekoi. That's not necessarily to say that I'm not like looking a, at to- yeah. Toki Doki. I'm probably butchered that. Um, and then, uh, Eno Gintin. It's just like the same thing. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, it's um the, the two examples I can think of of like, you know, creators who have had like massive success uh across like two fairly large stories would probably be Togashi with Yu Hakusho and Hunter Hunter and then Toriyama with Dragon Ball and then before Dragon Ball there was Dr. Slump, which was incredibly popular. And then Toriyama's also done like all of these like other like smaller like one shots and stuff and done like designs for so many video games. But there are a few manga that almost have like more moderate success. Like they're not hitting as big as like, I guess the author of Chainsaw Man. Yeah, cha- the author of Chainsaw Man. Um, he had Fire Punch before that. He had Fire Punch and he's had a fair num- a fair amount of success doing just these like more experimental short stories. I was thinking more, um, the one who came to mind was uh, Shuzo Ishimi, Oshimi, uh, the author of Akunohana. He's had quite a bit of success uh, doing, like he's done a lot of... Um, oh yeah, yeah, I know that guy. Kind of, I know Akunohana. He did do something else with a similar energy. Well, he's he's had a lot of success with almost like body dysmorphia, psychological kind of horror. Because like, he uh, did one with the mother, right? After Akonohana, yeah, yeah, he did the blood on the tracks. Um, I think it was uh, I think I Wolf did a video yeah, on that. Yeah, he did, he did. Um, and then he also had a uh, Boku Amari, which is a story about like a a guy who, or seemingly a guy getting uh, mind freaky Friday with like a a teenage girl. 
it's not quite that spoilers, but <laughs> um, and he had a Okari to Alice, uh, which is very much just like an exploration of like gender identity. Mm. So he's he's had quite a few successes, uh, kind of not necessarily having like doing like the same content, but kind of having a similar kind of through line of ethos of like exploration of these kind of psychological things. Yes, interesting. Cause, cause, so is it like, can you even, cause like I imagine, right, in my dream of dreams, I go from, you know, YouTube and uh, foreign men, foreign, like we talk about uh, making it out the hood, which is basically making it out of YouTube and like being able mm-hmm. to, you know, write for mm-hmm. like bigger, you know, traditional media uh, projects, right? So I have like, I have three ideas for documentaries. Um, and so mm-hmm. like, I, that is an ideal situation. If one is, is becomes like my most known one, that's be fine. But I still have like multiple ideas. When you make right. Bleach, right? Yeah. Do you even, and then and not just when you make Bleach, because like, the the inception of creation is is already this like hard to like even quantify thing but then there's it becomes bleach right and then mm-hmm. so the, the depersonalization of success of notoriety and infamy in, in the case of bleach do you even like what is what is creativity after that you know and is a kind of yeah. a question often often one thing one thing that blows my mind I don't know how much you guys are into music, but like the amount of like great albums that we've gotten from people who are in their early twenties, you know, I think about Lauren Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about Nas. Uh, I think about to get out of hip hop for a second, like tool. I'm a big metalhead to an extent. Um, mm-hmm. Early Metallica. These guys are like in their early twenties, late teens, and they're making music that I'm still listening to today. Right. Right. How the fuck do you do that? <laughs> Not implode. <laughs> you know, like I couldn't yeah. imagine I couldn't have made any I couldn't have made halfway decent content if I as I, I, I admire, you know, my peers who are young and still making stuff. I couldn't have made halfway decent content as a twenty in, in my twenties as I do now. So I, it's so hard for me to fathom making something as amazing as the yeah. miseducation of Lauren Hill. And I think she was twenty three, you know. 22 years old even just on youtube what it blew my mind to realize is that um mr beast is only like a few like months older than me he's only like 25 and i had always pictured him as being like you know early maybe mid 30s because of this level of success he has and all the stuff he has to manage and the idea of having to manage a brand like that of that scale and that scope at my age is mind-boggling i have no idea how i have no idea how people do it honestly I don't know. To me, I guess it just seems like it's like a a culmination or like a meeting of just like these sort of like happenstance and like because like you think of like a Nirvana or something or um trying to think of all, all the members of the 27 Club, essentially. Yeah, like their art is very like raw mm. in a sense where it's like it could very well develop and like refine itself as they get older but like there's like this weird kind of like meeting point of like that kind of like raw energy and like uh I don't want to say like amateurness but like you know they're not quite as refined as they could be later on 
Um, and then just like maybe producers or um, like with uh, anime manga specifically, like uh, editors and stuff like uh, Naruto, people don't really talk about how influential like the editors were in the creation of Naruto. Like Naruto as a... Um, and again, this pilot was very different than it ended up being in its serialization. Really? Um, it was, I mean, it was originally just like about Naruto as like a singular character. It wasn't going to have like a team kind of structure. It was like him as like a, he was like a Fox character and like he was going to have the, he was the son of a demon Fox was the, the, the original uh, pretense of it. Yeah. I th- right. I think the, you just said something that's also like true is that there's also when you're that young and you're unrefined. There's also the absence of self-consciousness to an extent mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. when I make something like I, I we started the, the, the podcast, for, this, this may not make it into the actual podcast because we rambled for like <laughs> 20, 30 minutes on YouTubing. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I'll figure out um, a way. But, you know, I started to, it's talking about how, like, I'm trying to thread this needle on this video that's trying to explain football and capitalism. And I'm like, how the fuck am I going to do that without getting called a cuck by 50 percent of the audience in the comments? Um, that's a consciousness of that possibility that is now mm-hmm. filtering through my creative process versus right. if I'm a 20 year old who thinks I know everything. And I happen to be Kurt Cobain. I happen to be a once in a generation talent, you know, then I just make the 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 great thing. I just I just I yeah. just make bleach the first part of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, yeah. And you're not I guess. Yeah, it's one of those things you're not necessarily maybe you're just like less self-conscious about it. And that sort of. Uh, lets your just creative juices just flow uh, way better. Uh, you're not necessarily concerned about uh, you know, success or audience. You're just making what you know what you think you really want to see and what you, the idea that you have in your head, uh, sort of unrefined. I kind of wonder, like, how you are you familiar with uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Only for, as a meme, really. really. I, I've never been able to get past the the kind of weirdness of the aesthetics so don't worry i'm in a similar boat (laughs) so i bring it up because that one's been going on for 30 close to 40 years now 80s yeah yeah it it kind of restarted so it's been going on it didn't restart like i thought it rebooted itself uh so it's it's interesting okay um each part is like its own kind of self-contained story but it, it, it's almost like a new kind of like another creator probably would just have it be like Naruto and then Boruto and then I don't know, Zoruto, whatever. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's very much like self-contained kind of stories are all kind of, but they're all connected in the sense of like, this is so-and-so's like, daughter. This is so-and-so's like son. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um, so he, he kind of challenges himself as a creator to uh, look at, critically look at the previous part and kind of his creative process on that and kind of look and say like, Hey, what worked on this part? What did I think I did? Well, what did I do poorly? And kind of use that to set up for the next part. Um, And it very much rose the prominence with part three, where he had the introduction of stands and stuff like that. And I kind of almost view that 
because he was very young. He was like comparatively, he was young uh, when he created part three. I almost view that as like, you know, kind of what we're talking about here. We're like young 20 something making something. But, you know, I, I don't like part three. <laughs> um, I like part four, but uh, he very much evolved and refined himself as a creator later on when he had more time um, for some of the later parts with like part seven and eight. Um, there's a very tangible kind of difference between a part seven and a part three. And you can very much see like his growth as a creator and as a person in looking at comparing those two parts. But part three was one is probably like the most popular part of all the series. Like that's in Japan, especially um, Jotaro is kind of seen as like this icon where, you know, part seven's, I mean, it's not, it did, I think there's a, a misconception that it did really poorly. It didn't do quite as bad as people kind of perceive in the West, at least. Um, but it, I mean, it's, it's not part three. It's not part, like it's not part five. Japan's favorite part is part five. So it's not really like on that level, but you can see, like, if you really critically kind of look at it, um, there's a lot of stuff there that's kind of really showing like his growth as a person and a creator. Um, and you, I kind of wonder like with what we're talking about with like these early 20 somethings, like how much of them kind of would have like a similar arc if they're kind of allowed to, or like how they kind of view their art as they get older. Like, uh, cause you mentioned like Metallica, like I know when they had say anger, like that was like what they kind of viewed as their evolution of their content or whatever. <laughs> People didn't really like that, but no, uh, I, I'm I'm one of the few people that thinks that album is not as bad as people make it out to be. I still listen to that album, some songs on it. So um, I, I will, but I, I'm also I, I'm making a video. This so the video I'm making about like liking awful women is going to be like just in defensive appreciating trash or having bad taste. You're gonna bring it around so the like, same anchor. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it around. Like I'm gonna talk about like a, a bunch of different things that I like that people hate. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to talk about how much I love Cloud Atlas <laughs> and St. <laughs> Anger and just other things that people, you know, and, and uh, uh, she's awful, but she's going to be on the, the thumbnail. Oh, what is her name? She's a she's the biggest pop star in the world, but her behavior is is pretty abhorrent. Uh, Cardi skin, B? No, no, not Cardi B. She's not that bad. Uh, but in that same realm. Lizzo? There's like a lot of stuff. No, no, damn it. I don't listen to pop music. Uh, yeah, we're kind of both like whatever. very disconnected from popular cultures. <laughs> I, I imagine, I imagine. I'm I'm I I'm and I'm also getting uh, this is so let me let me get my last so let me get one, one more question out of me um that I wanted to ask you guys and then we can sure. I don't if you had any other things you wanted out of me because I gotta I gotta Yeah, sorry, put, it's getting close I gotta to bring midnight. kids to school in the morning. Yeah. Um yeah. so what what do you think or what do you perceive to happen? You take, um, you know, Tor- Toriyama, he makes Dragon Ball, you know, or you take you just mentioned uh, the, the creator of, of Naruto and you make this amazing thing. and You have a story in your head. Hell, the people that did Madoka Magica, like I, I imagine that it was not supposed to go to a movie. Right. And so the movie has to now do all this extra shit that kind of ruins the original story. At least that's what I remember hearing. I, 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 like I said, I didn't watch it. 
I mean, it um, does upheave at the very least. Like, even if you like the movie, it does yeah. upheave the ending of the series for a continuation, right? Right. That happened so much that that was what uh, that it, that didn't kill all of Shonen for me, but it made me much less interested in the typical in in most typical Shonen. Is you mm-hmm. know, I never forget. I, I was done with Shonen pretty much forever when um, uh, Eisen blocked. Ichigo's sword with a finger. I never forget that moment. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was so pissed. I don't know, what do you mean he blocked it with his finger? Like, and then I was like, and then it was Dragon Ball Z all over again. It's like, yeah. here's Freezer. We fought Freezer for like literally, there's this fight that lasts three weeks. But here's Trunks next week, uh, th- uh, a month later, or like however many episodes later, he beats him in one episode. And so I'm like, oh, so we're just going to do the thing over again. So I'm, I say all this to say, told you I get rambling when I'm sleepy. Oh, you're good. When the creator is, what it, what what brings them to that point? Is it, are they contractually bound to make more? Is it because they don't get paid enough and they, so they have to kind of continue to milk the cow, uh, like what goes into that process? Because like these stories seem so earnest and, you know, maybe this is a Western lens on how we deify art, maybe to our own detriment and artists to our own detriment. But like these stories seem so earnest and so uh, heartfelt and like it feels like so often the work of a creator who had something in their spirit that they wanted to express through their art. And then they're done. And so, but then they're forced to make more of the same thing and ruin the original scope. Does that kind of make sense? So what happens there? What's the aftermath? How was the process to even start that? It really depends on the circumstance. Yeah, Um, what's going on? So like the famous one, which uh, I think Super iPatch 12 actually has a pretty decent video on it, is uh, Togashi. Um, He was basically the bell cow for Shonen Jump as a publication uh, in the 90s where he kind of had an idea of the scope that he wanted to write for the story in mind. Um, are, are you familiar with Yu Yu Hakusho? Yeah. Um, he kind of had the the idea to like for the scope up to like the dark tournament arc and like that was kind of a kind of end point in his mind for that. And then but the Shonen Jump as a publication was very reliant on him as a creator at the time. And so they're like, hey, can you um, continue you know, creating it? And so he kind of started like Chapter Black Saga is um, kind of reflective in a way of his the like, a meta lens of like his kind of interaction with the publisher at the time. Like, so he kind of went with that. And I, I don't think I don't think it necessarily suffers in that way sense with that part because it's still kind of like fresh but then like after he finished that saga it was like okay well we still need you to keep writing like we still need your um we need your name on this product and like uh, Yu Yu Hakusho is a big name we still need to be able to sell magazines for all these other creators stuff like that so he had it was very much like a sense of like obligation like you know this publisher really gave me a shot gave me a chance and created me in a way and so I need right. to give back for these other creators who, you know, are just trying to like find their footing and stuff. So he kind of was forcing himself to keep writing and very famously kind of 
couldn't like he just he reached a breaking point where he's like I can't anymore and just like literally just ends it like oh yeah that's the ending and <laughs> that's it um and then he went on to write Hunter Hunter which is also very successful but um it's still it, going it it yeah. very much depends on the situation right like you have a situation like that where like the, the publisher is just dependent on you and is like hey can you please keep making it um you have situations where they didn't because manga manga as a process was very different from before like the 2000s or so like i think with uh one piece and oda you kind of started seeing a shift in how like manga kind of approached their content because mm-hmm. like uh i think a fist of north star or something like that you don't you you kind of have like a concept and you you're, you're kind of building toward it but you don't necessarily have like the full scope of the story in mind a lot of the time Um, And even if you do, like sometimes you might extend it because it's like, oh, my series is actually really successful. I didn't really expect for it to be this successful. So you might try to stretch it out a bit. um, And then, you know, you come up with an ending point and you're like, okay, this is my ending. And then they're like, hey, kind of still need Fist of the North Star in the publication. (laughs) (laughs) Can you write another sequel or whatever? Like, so you just keep writing Fist of the North Star. So, So now you write stories with the explicit idea that it has to have the capacity to go in perpetuity. Yeah. 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 So like with Oda, he had like a framework, I think, and he had like an end goal and he very much structured his series around being able to last a long period of time. Um, And I think you see that a lot more now uh, since the two thousands, which kind of will lead to stuff like getting canceled and then you never get to know what happened to whatever, whoever, whatever. Right. But I think what you're seeing now though, is that you're not really seeing this sort of very like, like the like built in sort of longevity necessary for a lot of big shonen manga. What you are seeing now are are stories that are, you know, comparatively short and they do end like, um, uh, attack on Titan ends, demon slayer ends, uh, my Hero Academia is very close to ending. Uh, Jigo Karaku, uh, Hell's Paradise, which I think just got an anime. Was it this season or last season? Last season. Uh, that manga. That manga ended in 2021. So I think you are seeing a sort of paradigm shift now, um, where things I thought I would say things are almost being constructed more like um, like a Full Metal Alchemist, where it is just ultimate. There is an end goal. There is like a way to end the story, a way out, and then once it's done, it's done. Yeah. Uh, rather than necessarily needing it to go on in perpetuity because the IP is just really successful. So I think that that is what you're going to probably see more now with manga uh, going forward into the 2020s. At least that's 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 uh, my perspective on the matter. Admittedly, I don't know what the like the shift in that is like. I don't I don't know, know when it happens either. I yeah, like it, it was probably like some behind time. it. Yeah. Yeah. There had to be reason behind it. And that's interesting because like. As I say this, right, we also have I was a big I was a big Marvel Comics kid. I was a big X-Men kid. Hmm. Like and that's literally from the 1960s until now and has no ending in sight, you know. And they, and they're yeah. managing like a continuity where it makes sense that all the things that happened in the 60s happened a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah, so, I don't even. Yeah, I know nothing about comics or like how you would even yeah go about managing something like that. That sounds like it's almost like like managing a soap opera essentially because soap operas are 
like a, you know, like general hospital have been going on since the 1960s as well. Right. And they somehow they find a way to keep going. However, yeah. like, oh, it was all in a dream this season. <laughs> right. Something but, like but, that. But, but anime and mangas feel more like, I don't know, I, the wrong, this is not a good, probably not the most like useful description, uh, but like they feel like real stories compared to X-Men. X-Men feels like a, uh, a pulpy comic book, which is still like value, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, there's, you know, Demon Slayer. I didn't um, finish. I only got a few episodes in. Um, but like I could tell that there was a different sense of uh, weight. Mm-hmm. To In terms of how it being. approaches like characterization. Yes. You know, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I don't want to throw like comic books under the bridge, yeah. like, under the bus or anything. I'm not really familiar with them. I'm not. I'm not um, a comic book guy either, admittedly. So, yeah, I mean, that could very well be the like. I do think I, I do think I won't that stand behind probably, that take too much at yeah. eleven forty six at night. So someone, <laughs> someone who's a, someone who like knows a lot about like comic books and the history of comic books and like manga, feel free to like comment on like different approaches in terms of storytelling and characterization. Just tell us we're fucking wrong. I don't know what we're Please. talking about. <laughs> um, so I did. I did want to ask you. Um, because uh like we kind of we kind of touched on it i think in the stream where we you know and i think i've touched on it here a little bit um we very we very much value like different perspectives when it comes to like media analysis and like kind of getting a different lens um i think my first video i talk about like being able to have it, how valuable it is to be able to hear somebody from you know a different reality that you're living in essentially mm-hmm. um which kind of ties into what i was talking about in the video but kind of be able to present their perspective as far like in really kind of in, enhance your enjoyment or engagement or something. So when we talk, like, I think when we talked about on the stream, you know, we very much want to encourage like people to kind of find their own voice as far as like media analysis and like really kind of like present something new, like get away from this kind of idea of like, Oh, I need to, do a review and have it be like X, Y, and Z. I need to talk about the animation and I need to talk about all these things that I'm not really all that super passionate about and just need to hit on these like check marks kind of thing. Um, very much. I, I want to see more content that like goes out of its way to really kind of give you insight into something, you know, something that you might not have thought of. And like, I, you know, I try to, I try to do research, you know, when we have guests on and I try to like watch their stuff and stuff. So I've been watching a lot of your stuff lately. Awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, Please you watch the new video. It's, it's tanking, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, I watched that one on like three different accounts. So you got like at least three views for me. <laughs> I mean, you know how like fucking YouTube is with you, your brand accounts and shit. So you got gotta at least three up, views. Gotta pump up that retention. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, um, watching, like I watched, um, like your Kanye video, I watched um, your Edge Lords video. I'm trying to think of all the stuff I watch. Like I've I've been watching your stuff pretty consistently the last like couple of days, just like getting in a headspace, I guess. Um, but like you, you kind of, it's interesting because you kind of touch on like similar things we kind of have touched on in like a passing sense, right? Like we don't sit there and focus on some of the stuff. Like uh, we're we're both ripoffs of Mr. Plinkett to an extent in our hearts. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
we're very we're very explicit blatant ripoffs but <laughs> um yeah we uh like i was watching your your edgelords video and you're talking about um you know the joker and stuff like like that kind of media and the manosphere stuff and it very much reminded me of like our our shobaku video cuz in that uh, we were kind of t- touching on the concept of like delinquents in Japan and how they are very much like trying to act outside of like societal norms. And I was kind of tying that into like, you know, the, the Sigma male grind set kind of memes and shit like that of like this idea of like the, it's almost like Chunibyo, right? Like the show about like eighth grader syndrome, trying to like delusions of grandeur kind of thing. So I found I was, I was really, I was really fucked with your stuff. But I was I was wanting to ask like how can you kind of you probably maybe you haven't watched like anime more recently so it sounds like you watched a lot more like about ten years ago maybe you didn't really engage with it with that kind of lens um, but I was I was curious like if you had any kind of like I don't know, hot takes or something like as far as like you're watching something like man this really kind of reminds me of like this kind of thing or so you know maybe one that's one of the reasons why. So I don't watch a lot of anime, mm-hmm. um, but I hold my fandom for anime in a more special place than like a lot of my other media that I consume. Mm-hmm. And I do that because I think for anime, I genuinely just watch it. Mm-hmm. Whereas everything else I watch, I'm being a bit I'm more doing critical the, or like yeah. savvy. I'm, bo- I'm doing all these different critiques in my head that I couldn't turn off if I wanted to. I'm doing a, mm-hmm. a, a story critique. I'm doing a, a technical critique. I'm doing a sociological critique. I'm doing a social media critique. I'm thinking about, oh, who's going to make a think piece about this or make a video about this, whatever. I like all these different things are are a part of my consumption of music and video games and movies and TV. But with anime which is maybe this will be my impetus to get back to it because it's such a pure space. Like when I, you know, I watched the first season maybe or two of Mario Academia and it took, uh, I think I, I, the last episode, the last episodes I watched were with, um, what's the guy without a nose? Uh, Oh, stain stain. Yeah. You know? And so stain, I know now, is like this explicit critique of the inherent fascism of like modern policing. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. think about that shit when I was watching it. <laughs> I was thinking, where's this motherfucker's nose? <laughs> <laughs> right. What happened? Why is he so angry? <laughs> Boku, uh, 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 Deku such a nice kid. Like is like, she just made me realize that when I watch anime, I just purely entertain and enjoy and indulge. And I think now that I'm thinking about it, that came through the video because mm. in the video I was talking about one of the things I wanted to like speak to was the, the pure place of joy that young men have in anime that they often can't find in other mediums of entertainment because other mediums of entertainment are forced to say so much more about the consumer. Whereas anime, because it has this like degree of separation via culture and language and because it's a relatively insular thing, right? Like when Game of Thrones was happening, that was a, a ubiquitous thing. You went to right. work and you talked to everybody at your job, even the people you don't like about Game of Thrones. Anime, you have to pursue community. And then once you found it, 
you all are bonded over the experience of enjoying mm-hmm. this like thing together. So I don't know. So I say all this to say, I don't I don't know if I have a, a super critical lens. It's one of the few things, unless it's something like super blatant, like, you know, random blackface and anime or some shit, which thankfully doesn't yeah. happen as much. Right. Um, I, unless it's something like that or the, you know, freaking incest and a thousand year old lollies. I just watch it and I just take it in and I am amused and then I kind of let it sit. That's one of the reasons why I haven't returned to Madoka Magica in now almost probably like 10 years is mm-hmm. because it feels good when I think about the experience I had watching that piece of media. And that's all I need from it. I right. did maybe make a like a blog about like the feminist, a feminist critique of it because it has such a to me, a, a cool angle on there. That may have been one of the few times I did that. But most of the time it's just this is awesome. This is cute. This is heartwarming. This is arousing, <laughs> you know, and I'll leave it there. Yeah. I think I think it's interesting because I think that's a pretty common thing for sure. I think that's something that we kind of are trying to encourage people to like branch out more because um, we do, we obviously we're very active in this space. So it's like we want to see people kind of give more in-depth critiques and more like, you know, be able to give some kind of um, uh, analysis of like something that we might not have thought of. But I, I think that's very common where like, I almost feel like that's kind of where some of like the burnout is because mm. you like, I feel like on some level, like there's, there's almost like a, a, a middle ground where like, if you're watching it, like with that kind of, um, you know, very kind of like just enjoying it for what it is kind of surface level kind of thing. Like there's so much mileage you get out of it. And then like, it's kind of like, well, why am I kind of wasting my time with this? Like, I feel like I almost feel like I've thought about this here recently where it's like, I almost feel like you almost have to like for you to have like a sustained interest in anime. It almost feels like you kind of have to start looking at it from like a very kind of critical lens and start looking more at, you know, Japan as a culture and kind of contextualizing where these kind of elements are coming from um, or else you will kind of experience that burnout. Cause there's, there's so many times where like I see people who are kind of just engaging, which is, you know, it's not, it's not an indictment on anybody or anything. It's, you know, this is kind of how it is, right? Like you, you, you watch like Dragon Ball or Naruto and you kind of spend your time with it. And then you don't, then you don't move really, on. yeah, you, you don't really engage with stuff outside of that. Um, yeah. There's that. I think that I remember somebody, one of the old, people talked about it's called the void or something where you finish something really good and you, you mm. kind of feel empty. You kind of feel empty. Yeah. Uh, and you yeah. Need something, yeah. Yeah. You need something else. But when I think about when I finish something really good in, in mediums, I'm more critical of, I feel excited, mm-hmm. you know? So that is true. Like when I, you know, going back to, I don't know if you watched my black Panther video. So that's, I uh, haven't gotten to that one yet. I, I did it stand out where I want to go watch it. I'll probably end up watching it. This week, yeah, it's, but. it's one of my better joints. Um, and it's all about how not being black probably made it less likely that you understood the, the whole of the movie because hmm. the movie had just like kind of I'm talking to you guys and I'm gaining all this subtext about the 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 critical lens of, of Japanese culture and how that recontextualizes so much anime. Like there's a huge recontextualization of that movie from a black lens, but because it was like this popular big, you know, Marvel thing, 
a lot of people didn't do that. And I was that's literally one of the reasons why I made my channel was I was mm-hmm. frustrated that like, you know, movie critics that I respected were like, yeah, it's a black Marvel movie. That's cool. Or it's a black Marvel movie. Who cares? And I'm like, you all didn't notice that yeah. Wakanda was actually in uh, the Congo <laughs> and that mm-hmm. the mineral wealth of the Congo was the reason why yada, 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 colonialism, yeah. like all these things. I'm like, ah, and so I got, mm-hmm. you know, so like when I said that to say when that movie ended, I joined three Facebook groups about it. And we talked for, for months <laughs> about these different metaphors and levels of analysis of, of the film. And so mm-hmm. I never, it never felt, I never felt the void. Mm-hmm. You know, versus like, you know, when a, a, a you finish something finish a season of an anime and it doesn't have another season to it. And you're like, and then you're like, I never want to be like that ends. again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just left you with know. your feelings. And that's you're it. Like, you're like, yeah. well, fuck. Yeah. Um, well, it's getting close to midnight now. We've been recording for about two hours. Uh, <laughs> you, guys, you guys got me good. This is uh yeah, yeah. I, I did not say anything cancelable. Time for the real hard hitting questions, though. All right. <laughs> Are anime characters white? <laughs> no, Jesus. Unless they're unless they're explicitly <laughs> white in the show. So Aaron Yeager is white. I, that's one right. mistake from the fucking a movie the, the from uh, Ro Ramden Dragon Aaron Yeager is that she called him uh uh non-white. No no, Aaron Yeager's white. But mm-hmm. the rest of these motherfuckers are fucking Japanese. They're Japanese. And if you are if you ever in your fucking life shit talk a black cosplayer by saying insert x Japanese character isn't black, please understand they are also not white. <laughs> the vast majority of them. Vast you're, majority. You're just being an asshole. 